1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 25. There's a powerful verse that talks about just how worthy God is to be worshipped and how worthy He is to be praised. For great is the Lord and greatly be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. He is worthy. He is great. But does that only apply when things are going well? Does that only apply when things are going good? Is He only great when things are going our way? When our prayers are getting answered, man, we don't have any problem buying into First Chronicles chapter six, verse uh, sixteen, verse twenty-five. Uh, when we pray for a sick child and she gets a miracle and she's healed, he is great and greatly to be praised. But when we're praying for an old boy who has COVID in the hospital and he dies, is he still great and worthy to be praised? Maybe you study for a test and you ace it. Well, that's easy. He's he's uh, he's worthy and greatly to be praised. But what if you study the test and you fail it? Well, is he? Is he great at that time and greatly to be praised? Y'all, in both instances, whether things turn out good or bad, in our opinion, he's still great and greatly to be praised, no matter what, because he's still God. No matter what we face, no matter what we encounter, no matter what we go through, whether it's bad or good, high or low, boon or bane, mountain or valley, he is still God regardless of what situation we are in. Now, unless you've been a Christian living in a van down by the river, it's impossible to not be aware of the increasingly difficult times that the church, God's people, are in, are in fact facing. Uh, Christian, everything we believe in has been challenged right now. And in some instances, what we believe in has just been flat out canceled. You look at things like the sanctity of life, the sanctity of the family. You look at the per, uh, supremacy and the sovereignty and the inerrancy of God's word. Y'all, the thing is, we are headed as a church for more oppression. We are headed as a church for more persecution. We are headed as a church for more uh, opposition. But no matter how bad things get, God's still God. No matter how difficult things get, He's still God. He always has been. No matter how bad things get for God's people, God's church, He's still God. In times like these, I need you to understand that there's nothing new that God's people are going through. One of the most familiar stories in all of Scripture dealing with persecution uh, is found in the book of Daniel. deals with three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those were their Babylonian names. Those were not their Jewish names. They found themselves in a full-size air fryer in the court of, of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. He had went in there uh, to Jerusalem in about five uh, 578 B.C. and took a bunch of people captive, prisoners of war. Now these three young believers, they found themselves in a position where they could either follow the government-mandated religion or they would face execution. If they held on to the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, King Nebuchadnezzar was going to kill them. They chose the air fryer. They chose the fiery furnace. But yet they walked out unharmed because there was a fourth man in the air fryer with him. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 3, And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames leaped out and killed the soldiers through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in. So those three boys fell down bound. They're in, they're in rope. They fell down bound in the roaring flames. But suddenly, as Nebuchadnezzar was watching, he jumped up and amazement, and ex exclaimed for his advisors, didn't we throw three men in the furnace? Well, yes, indeed we did, your majesty. Well, look, O Neb shouted, I see four men unbound. The ropes are burned off, and they're, they're walking in the air fryer like there ain't nothing going on, and they aren't even hurt by the flames. And the fourth looks like a god. Y'all, this is what 
Bible scholars call a pre-incarnation appearance of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus didn't just appear in the book of Matthew. Jesus is, is God. He is co-eternal with the Father and the Holy Spirit. There's never been a moment that Jesus wasn't. I believe that this is Jesus in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And church, I want you to know that no matter what kind of opposition God's people faced in Daniel chapter 3, God never stopped being God in that mess. Regardless of what situation we find ourselves in, I need you to understand this. God is still God in the middle of our mess. And I hope today that you will commit to praising God no matter. I pray that you will know that God is there no matter what situation you find yourself in. You will be reminded that God is still God. Let's look at four difficult situations that we can be assured that in fact He's still here. Number one, though the government denies Him, He's still God. Nebuchadnezzar erected a gold statue, about 90 foot tall, about 9 foot thick. And he told all the people there to worship this huge statue. The Bible says in Daniel 3, 1 through 7, King Neb made a gold statue 90 feet high and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent his messengers to all of his folks, the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and rulers of all the provinces of his empire to become, come to the dedication of this statue. Now when they had all arrived and were standing before the monument, a herald shouted out, O people of all nations and languages, this is the king's command. When the band strikes up, you are to fall flat on the ground to worship King Neb's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey, Anyone who doesn't do what the government says will be thrown into the air fryer. So when the band began to play, everyone, church say everyone. How many of them? All, everyone, 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 whatever his nation, language, faith history, religious history, they fell down to the ground and they worshipped the statue. You see, the government had set up its own sponsored religion that criminalized every other religion. The government set up its own state-sponsored religion under the authority of King Neb and outlawed every belief that the state didn't approve of. Now, Neb wasn't the first ruler to erect a statue, and he's not been the last. In fact, I want you to consider for a second that maybe we've got a few statues of our own right here. Now, I'm not talking about our government putting up golden statues, but there has been an attempt by, by many politicians and many leaders to deny God. We see the rise of secularism rising here. Humanism rising here. Atheism rising here. Over the last 60 years, uh, many in the government have attempted to ban God, choke God out, silence God out, taking prayer out of school, taking the Bible out of school, banned Ten Commandments on the courthouse lawn or the Capitol building front steps, endorsed immorality, legalized the murder of babies in their mother's womb, redefined marriage, redefined gender, redefined right and wrong, redefined good and bad. You look at any budget, bill, or law that's passed, and genuinely you will see something in there that has pushed God to the side and said, God, you're no longer welcome here. Church, the USA is headed for darker days ahead, and I believe that it will probably get worse before it gets better. And if you're expecting 2022 to fix anything, you will be disappointed. If you expect 2024 to change anything, you will be disappointed. Christian, we are citizens of America, but our citizenship is in a kingdom that we've not been to yet. Our citizenship that we will have for all of eternity belongs to a kingdom that no traveler has returned from. Church, you have no need to fear your government leaders. 
you have no reason to fear them because your king has never been defeated. Your king has never lost an election. Your king has never been dethroned. Oh, Neb denied the one true God. He instituted a false religion. But you know what? Even when the government denied God, he was still God. Number two, it's easy and justified to complain about the fact that the government denies God. But it's not just those high places who deny God. Though the world rejects him. Guess what? He's still God. Look in verse 7. So when the band began to play, how many people bowed? Everyone. Didn't matter what religion, nation, language you spoke, they bowed down. Now some of the people who had worshipped that statue, they had been in Jerusalem just a few years ago. Where was the outrage of everyone? Where was the outrage of of these people who were being forced to worship a, a deity that they didn't want to. Why weren't people protesting? Why weren't they, why weren't they marching in the streets? I'm going to tell you why. Because not everybody had a problem with the false idol. Not everybody was upset about it. The pagans weren't. The lost people weren't. The unbelievers weren't. The ethnic Jews didn't have any real convictions. They were just religious by definition. They were raised in a Jewish home. So somehow now they're Jewish. Many people thought, whatever, Neb, let's get this thing done so we can go back to work. There was just a whole group of people who didn't care what was going on. They didn't care what the consequences were for refusing to bow down. They didn't care what had happened to those who didn't bow. It didn't affect them. Y'all, the dramatic, the dramatic erosion of America's shared Christian belief over the last 30 years Do you need to take that call? The dramatic erosion of America's shared Christian belief over the last 30 years has changed remarkably. Our nation's historically stable religious alignments have, are failing. The changes include things like this. There's been a tremendous shift in the faith of Hispanics, and I, most of us here aren't Hispanic, but what I'm going to give you with these numbers with the Hispanic uh, people is they mirror they mirror the rest of the nation. There's a shift in the faith of Hispanics. A few years, I'm going to give you all the numbers here in a second. But the, the Hispanics that identified with Catholicism is less than half than what it was a generation ago. There's a rapid growth in our nation of Islam. There's a rapid growth of our nation in our nation of Eastern philosophy and Eastern religion. There is a precipitous decline in Christianity. And it's reduced the confidence in religion nationwide. According to a new research from George Barna, who is a part of the Culture Research Center at the American Christian University, he says there is a tremendous transformation of the nation's worldview about biblical truth. And this is what he says, and I quote, the most rapid and the most radical cultural upheaval our nation has ever experienced. He says, I've studied worldview and, religion and religious trends for more than 40 years. And nothing has been more striking than what we're witnessing today in the American cultural landscape. This new America we see emerging is radically different demographically, politically, relationally, and spiritually. Let me give you some of those numbers. 30 years ago, 59% of Hispanics identified with being Catholic. Today, half that number, 28%. They don't identify anymore. And the thing is, they didn't go to another church. They didn't become Pentecostals. They didn't become Baptists. They just stopped going. 
So half of that people's group faith have, have left. You've heard of the nuns, the, the ones who, they're, they're not Baptist or Catholic. They don't have any, they don't, they, they don't adhere to any particular faith. We know the nuns, but I want you to understand that there is a group growing faster than the nuns. It's the don'ts. The people who don't go to church, don't believe in God, don't care about God, don't believe that the word is the word of God. The don'ts are, are growing and they're tripling. According to that similar study, the don'ts among Hispanics parallel what's happening in America. According to that study, the don'ts 10 years ago, the don'ts 10 years ago has tripled in the last 10 years. People who don't believe in God, don't want anything to do with God, don't want anything to do with the church. That's driving much of the shift. And the, the group that's in there are the millennials, the 18 to 36-year-old group. The 18 to 36-year-old group, 43% of that generation denies the existence of God. Nearly half of those people from 18 to 36 says there is no God. Church, this is a rough patch that we're in. This is a tough spot that we're in. People could care less that our culture is becoming increasingly immoral. Most people don't care that our moral compass is busted. They don't care that Jesus is blasphemed. They don't care that God has been expelled from our society or our culture. They're not motivated to stand up. They're not motivated to speak up. When the freedoms of Christians are trampled, they have no reason to speak up because it has nothing to do with them. They're quick, in fact, to call us Christians bigots. Judgmental when we take a stand for Christ. Because, you see, they reject Jesus' gospel, they reject the Bible, they reject the church, they reject God. I want you to listen to what two former presidents had to say would happen when our neighbors and our neighborhoods rejected the Lord. President Reagan said this, if we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be one nation gone under. I want you to listen to what FDR said. Freedom of speech is of no use to a man who has nothing to say. And freedom of worship is of no use to a man who's lost his God. Brother, that's where we're at. As a result of going under and as a result of losing God, the believer and their faith has become the object of mockery, scorn, insult, persecution, labeled as racist, intolerant, bigots, judgmental, hypocrites, idiots, and fools. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have been in that same spot because that was the culture they lived in. Even though the majority of the people, remember, everyone bowed down to worship the statue. Even though the majority of the people in their culture around those three young believers bowed to the false idol. Although nearly everyone in that culture bowed down, not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they knew something. Even though everybody else rejected him, they knew he was still God. Even though everybody else said, no, we don't believe. They did. Even though the majority of the people rejected God, they stood to be counted. Church, things are no different today in the church. There are many people who say that Christian, there are many people who say they are Christians, but there are very few who will take a stand. Many people say that they're followers of Jesus, which brings us to this next truth. Even though followers forsake him, guess what? He's still God. When King Neb rolled in Jerusalem in 578 B.C., Neb had ordered his chief of staff to bring in all the young bucks from Judah's royal family. That included Daniel, that included Hananiah, Mishael, and Arizia, uh, uh, Azria, Azria, like you care. Uh, and those were going to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Church, we know these men by name. But they weren't the only ones cartered off into Babylon. 
We know that these four were, but there was others. When the crowds gathered around that 90-foot statue, some of those who worshipped in the temple of Jerusalem formerly were now standing in front of this monument. They had compromised their faith by standing in front of this monument. In fact, one of the big ten, thou shalt have no graven image. They were breaking their rule. They were forsaking their belief, leaving their convictions, and just embracing this statue. They had compromised their religion and followed the culture's descent into paganism. Y'all, today, there are constant attacks against Christ, constant attacks against His church, the bride, and there are many who profess to be Christians who are shutting up. Followers who have fallen away. These are the so-called Christians and the followers of Jesus Christ. When Christ is attacked, they choose to set back. When the church is attacked, they set back and do nothing and bite their tongue. They'll bow and worship on Sunday morning, and then they will worship themselves and the world the rest of the week. But Christian, can I tell you something? That's not the way it works in the kingdom of God. The Bible says this in the book of Luke 16, For, for neither you nor anyone else can serve two masters. You will hate one and you'll show loyalty to the other or the other way around. You'll be enthusiastic about one and you'll despise the other. You can't serve God and anything else. Interesting story. Back in 2019, there was House Bill number 757 uh, in Georgia. And at the time, uh, the governor there was uh, Nathan D uh, Nathaniel Deal. Uh, he was a Republican. He was a Christian. Uh, he was a Baptist like y'all. Uh, there was this bill that came across his desk. And, and what, what uh, House... Bill number 757 did is that it relieved churches who did not want to allow same-sex marriages to happen in their church. It gave them protection. It gave protection to churches who didn't want to hire staff um, who did not hold to the same principles as that church or that organization. Uh, the governor was about to sign it. They got a letter from Coca-Cola, Home Depot, and Disney and said, if you sign that bill, we're going to pull out. We're going to sever financial ties with your state. So what do you do? Do you protect the pastors and the churches and, and, and those folks who, who, who have very strong convictions? It's not their truth. It's the truth from the Word of God. Or do you, do you satisfy Coca-Cola and Home Depot and Disney? Governor vetoed the bill, opened the church up for a deluge of litigation, and didn't protect him. That was a Christian who had an opportunity to stand up. That was a Christian who had an opportunity to protect the church. He feared those corporations, so he vetoed the bill, putting pastors and churches downrange of that litigation. Church, he had a choice to make, but... Baby, he's not the only one who has a choice to make. Every single one of us have that choice to make. We will stand up and speak up, or we will kowtow to the culture. Do you bow and compromise, or do you stand for God? Those were the choices that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced. And man, that's our choice too. We know how things turned out because we've got the Bible. We know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked out of the hot air fryer and, and they were fine. We know how the story ends. They didn't. They went into the air fryer and they didn't know if they were going to walk out or come out in a broom handle. You know, come out in a broom, a dustbin. But here's the thing. They just remained faithful. God, if you want me to go in here, I'm going to go in here. I'm just going to assume you're going to take care of me. Church, 
That was the truth. That was the truth. They, they knew that God was God and greatly to be praised. Today, we live in a society where truth is hate speech. When Christians speak the truth about marriage, and by the way, if you're wondering what the truth is about marriage, God created the male and female. And for the man to leave his mother and father and cling to his wife. Oh, you guys are intolerant. That's what the Bible says. It's not hard truth. We didn't write it. It's just truth. You talk about gender and sexuality. Oh, you guys are just a bunch of homophobes. Truth is hate speech. Oh, what about the sanctity of life? Life starting at conception. Oh, you're being sexist and cruel. Truth is hate speech. Jesus said this. He said, y'all will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you'll be hated by all nations because of... Whew. That's Jesus speaking as a prophet. Church, don't be ashamed of what you believe in and don't be ashamed in whom you believed in. He's God. Even though all the other followers may not follow Him, we stand. We speak up. You and me, we have just as, oh, listen to me. You and me have just as much right to proclaim our faith in God as those who choose to deny Him. And we're not saved to be silent. We are Christians and we are followers of the one true God. Now, this thought leads us to our fourth and final difficult situation that we can be assured that God is still God in. Here it is. Though trouble comes to those who follow Him, He's still God. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to set Neb and uh, refused to bow down, it set Odeb into a rage. He gave them a chance to renounce their faith. He gave them a chance to, 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 to do what he said. He gave them an opportunity. Hey, hey, I, I know what y'all believe, but if you'll just do this. He gave them a chance to renounce their faith before they took that ride into the air fryer. Daniel 3, 15 through 18. I'll give you one more chance. When that music plays... If y'all will fall down and worship that statue, all will be well. But if you refuse, you're going to be thrown in that flaming furnace within an hour. And what God can deliver you out of my hands then? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied. And I want you to understand something here. Not one time did they get belligerent. Not one time did they lose their cool. Not one time did they get out of line. In fact, what you're going to see is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being very respectful of the authority. If we are thrown into the flaming furnace, our God is able to deliver us. And He will deliver us out of your hand, Your Majesty. But if He doesn't, please understand, sir, that even then we will never, under any circumstance, serve your God or worship the God that you've erected. They were letting the man know where they stood. And here's the thing, if they wouldn't have said that, nobody would have known it. Church, do you call yourself a Christian, but you never say you are a Christian? The reason why that proclamation is important because people need to know whose side you're on. They need to, who, they need to know who you stand for. They didn't know what would happen other than God would still be God. If we go in the air fryer and we die, God's God. If we go in the air fryer and we walk out, guess what? God's still God. Even though the troubled time would come, they knew who He was. 
Church, God's word tells us that the three were thrown into the fiery furnace. It had been turned up to 11. It had not ever been that hot before. In fact, the men who threw them in became crispy critters. That's how hot it was. Old Neb looked from his throne into the furnace and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in there. But suddenly, as Neb was watching, he jumped up in amazement and said, Hey, didn't we throw three dudes up in there? And they said, Yeah, we did. Not counting the ones that are dead there in front of the air fryer. We did indeed, your majesty. Well, look, Neb said, I see four men unbound walking around that fire, and they aren't even hurt by the flames. And the fourth, well, he looks like a god. The three were released from the air fryer, and they didn't even smell of smoke. Not a single hair on their head was singed. Their clothes was not burnt. In fact, the only thing that burnt up were the, were the ropes that Nebuchadnezzar had sent and put on them as they went to the air fryer. Church, you serve a God who will burn off the ropes that your enemies wrapped around your marriage. You serve a God who will burn off the ropes that are on your sobriety. That's your God. What the enemy tries to bind you with, the Lord says, man, that ain't no hill for a stepper, just get off. If they would have been consumed by the flames and their reminds swept out by housekeeping, guess what? God still would have been God. Nothing would have changed that. And God still would have been good. I fear that there's a generation of believers who only praise God during good times. Or when the prayers are getting answered the way they want them to. Or when things are going their way. Then God's great and worthy to be praised. I'm going to tell you what that is. That's a result of having a shallow faith. In times like right now, we need to cling to the promise of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together the way we want them to. Nope, that's not what that says. We know that all things work together the way we would like them to. Nope, that's not what that says. The Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purposes. It doesn't say all things work together the way we want to. Do they, Miss Schaefer? Or do they, Miss Betty? Or do they? brother Bob all it says is that all things work together for good now church I'm going to be honest with you there's times where I don't know what good is there's just times I don't know what's best I don't know what to do there's times I don't know what good is but church there has not been a nanosecond God's ever doubted what good was there's never been a moment in eternity's history where he hasn't been sovereign there's not been a moment within the span of time where God didn't see the future as equally as well as he sees the present and the past we only see one at a time God sees it all last Sunday I told you about how Job had lost everything livestock property stuff and worst of all kids in that great time of suffering that great time of loss I want you to listen to Job's proclamation Job 121 and said naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither the Lord gave and the Lord's taken away. What's he say? How dare you, God? What did he say? How could you do this to me? Did he say, why me? What did he say? Hey, Lord, you gave me my stuff and you took it away. It was yours to give. I'm going to bless you anyway. You know what Job understood? God was still God. I love what that translation says in uh, the Living Bible. I came naked from my mama's womb, he said, and I shall have nothing when I die. The Lord gave me everything I had, and they were his to take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job realized something that many of us don't get. That no matter what 
happens to us. No matter how bad things get, God's still God. He didn't blame God. He didn't doubt God. He didn't forsake God. He trusted God was God. I hope we can get some hope today from that truth. I hope today that we can get some assurance from that truth. When the doctor gives you bad news, God's still God. When you run out of money and the bank account is empty, God's still God. When you have rebellious children, when your marriage is on the rocks, God's still God. When you face unspeakable tragedy and you go through unspeakable heartbreak, God's still God. When the death of a loved one leaves you alone, God's still God. Church, I want you to know that no matter what kind of opposition God's people face in Daniel chapter 3, He never stopped being God. Regardless of what kind of situation you and I find ourselves in, you got it, He's still God. Whether things are going our way or not, He's still God. Good or bad, He's still a God. Whether we're, still, whether we're on the mountain or the valley, He's still God. We looked at four difficult situations that we can be assured that in fact God is still God. Number one, where the government denies Him, He's still God. Though the world rejects Him, doesn't matter, he's still God. Though his followers forsake him, though none go with me, I still will follow. Because he's still God. Though troubles come to those who follow him, yep, you got it, he's still God. I know that many of you here and online, you find yourself in the middle of your own fire. You're in the middle of your uh, own wildfire. You're in the middle of something right now. Maybe you question if God's there. Maybe you question if he's watching. Maybe you question if he cares. I want to remind you of what St. Peter said in 1 Peter 4, 12. Dear friends, don't be bewildered or surprised when you go through the fiery trials ahead. For this is no strange, unusual thing that's going to happen to you. Another translation says it like this. Friends, when life gets really difficult... Don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Y'all, when the going gets tough, I want you to remember that God's still God. He's never left. When doubts arise, that doesn't put your salvation in jeopardy. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. Because we all struggle with doubt. We all struggle with, uh, we all struggle, uh, with our faith sometimes during difficult times. Reminds me of a story. There was a visitor in Chicago. She made the decision to take the express elevator to the top observation deck of a tremendous skyscraper. Uh, an express elevator is you get, on the, you get in on the first floor and then you go straight up. You do not stop. You do not pass go. You don't collect $200. You go from the first floor to the very top floor. That's the express elevator so you can get up there on that observation deck. Man, when she gets on that elevator and them doors shut, she's the only one in there. She's scared. She's anxious. She's 30 seconds into that, that ascent. And she's thinking, man, I made the wrong decision. This thing's clanking. And I don't know what the maintenance record is on this. I don't know if the upkeep's good on this. I don't know if it's been examined or I don't know if it's been expected. And all the time, she's full of fear. Guess where she's steady going? And no matter how anxious or fearful or worried she is, it can't stop the elevator. She's going to arrive at her destination, church. This choice needs to be made. This choice only needs to be made one time. If you've given your life to Jesus, you've placed your faith in Him. You've asked Him to forgive you of your sin. I've got good news for you. You are on the express elevator and you will reach your destination. You may be a little scared getting there. You might be a little fearful getting there. You might be a little anxious getting there. But can I tell you something? There's nothing that will stop you from reaching the top. God knows we get faithless from time to time. Oh, no, He doesn't, Brother Mike. Look what the Bible says. 2 Timothy 2.13 
If we are, if we are, you ever been there? If we are faithless, he remains, the elevator never stops. Because God is still God. Though you are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And I love what John 10, 28 says, I gave them eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. No one can take them out of the elevator. Church, he's good. And I'm going to tell you who can make a promise like that. And that's God. And he's still God. He always will be God. He always has been God. Though the government denies him, he's still God. Though the world reject him, he's still God. Though his followers forsake him, he's still God. And though trouble comes to those who follow him, he's still God. Will you ride with him today? Whether things are good or bad. Will you ride with him today, whether it's Boone or Bane? Will you ride with him today, whether you're on the mountain or the valley? Because the thing is, situations and circumstances may change, but God is always God. Almighty God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your steadfastness. I thank you for your steady, constant consistency. Thank you for being the God who saves. Thank you for being the God who heals and restores. Thank you for being the God who delivers and sets free. Thank you for being the God who burns off the ropes of the enemy. Thank you for being the God who stays with us when we're in the middle of the furnace. Thank you for being the God that no matter what comes, we will bless you. And we ask this all in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, giving you praise for all of it. In Jesus' name we pray. The church said? God bless you. Have a great day. Have a great week. Hope to see you back next Sunday morning. God bless you. Or next Saturday night, 5 o'clock. God bless.